Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Australian Property Investment Podcast. I'm your host, Aaron Christie-David, and I run a mortgage broking business called Atelier Wealth, where we specialize in helping property investors start out and scale up their property portfolio. So with those ambitions, you should come decisions around confidence and around knowing their options. And the starting point is probably where we see a lot of uh, young investors, young first-home buyers have that level of angst, for example, a little bit of confusion, some optimism as well about trying to get into the property market. There's so many different options to get into the market, whether you're a rent investor, whether you're a first-home buyer, or whether you're co-purchasing, for example, buying off the plan. So often we see a little bit of analysis paralysis. What we want to try to do is take some of that decision-making fatigue away from you by bringing in experts that help kind of see the world from their perspective, people that have been enablers to help other investors and home buyers get into the market. This episode's got a little bit of a different flavor to it because I'm bringing a colleague. Uh, if you know our business, you know he's probably the brains in the business as well. Not probably, definitely. Uh, Damien Walker, welcome. Thank you for having me, Aaron. Not at all, mate. Part of the team. And uh, I'm super excited because, I mean, obviously you've been with the business nearly since day one, yep. uh, the evolution, but most importantly, you now broking in your own right and dealing mm -hmm. with a lot of our first home buyers, I'd say patients in spades, mm -hmm. a lot of knowledge when it comes to, and this is why we niche our business down because first home buyers have very specific needs around information and where they get information. You are uh, pathway of first home mm -hmm. buyers, so there's certain levels of empathy that come with that as well, where you had a look at the market, what one person wants, what the other person wants, how to compromise, but I guess help seen how many people get across the line and buy that property and then once they're in it a lot of that um decision making fatigue kind of goes away once they're in the home right that's correct yeah Lo lots of questions leading up to it yeah some that don't really apply mm. that need to be answered for whatever reason um but you're right once the loan's in and the house is bought yeah everyone's happy make correct and that's what i think one thing that i've always been a um a big advocate of that advocate for is you don't realize, you, you look at it very logically, okay, the repayments, the interest rate, the mortgage insurance, which bank, how long is it going to take? They seem like very rational decisions. The emotional side is where we play a lot in. But most importantly, people don't realize once you're in that home and you turn the keys to your own home, that that feeling that comes with it, mm. all, that no, all that noise goes away, yep. doesn't it? Like mm. in terms of like, you don't even care how much you pay for mortgage insurance, you're not paying rent. You're in the home. It's yours. You can do whatever you want to it. Friends come and go as they want. You don't worry about losing a bond. And it's like, guys, that's what we're after. That yep. feeling is what we're chasing. So the goal for today's chat is to talk about the budget. So we're having a chat about this uh, today after the budget got announced last night. So this is hot off the press. And we get surrounded by newspapers. Surrounded by computers because we're still trying to process all the information that's come through. You got your phone there. Uh, so if you're listening to this, jump on the video and, and, and see about how I'd, uh, all, the, all the newspapers here for props. But I guess what we want to do is, yeah, source of truth. What has the government announced? What are the changes that are specifically happening for first-time buyers? And why I want to talk about first-time buyers is we all start somewhere. Now, there's a big crossroads between do I buy my first home as an investment or do I buy my first property as an, uh, as an owner-occupied and try and click the ticket on the first-time buyer benefits? And then we start to go through the first-time buyer benefits and you and I get lost in all, this, in all the acronyms. Mm -hmm. And bloody hell, mate, we do this daily. Definitely, yeah. So let's start with the, the one that's most current at the moment is the uh, land tax yeah, property tax versus the stamp duty changes. Yeah, so this was caught, I believe, again. I know the... the we know the mechanics. I know the mechanics, but it's a first-home buyer choice scheme. Yeah. 
Now, this is New South Wales government only, for New South Wales properties only. Um, and it was the ability to waive stamp duty in favour of an annual land tax. Yeah. Now, this is being removed. It was a Liberal government initiative that was uh, released in January this year. Yeah. Um, it will be removed uh, as the Labor government were elected in New South Wales. Um, but we've still got up to 30 June. So you can enter into a contract of sale by 30 June and you can opt in for this property tax. Yeah. So the property doesn't settle. You can contract the sale signed by 30 June. I believe that's the mechanism. Yeah. And that's correct. Yep. Um, from that, uh, it's allowing a lot of people, you know, especially in Sydney, because the cap is up to 1.5 mm -hmm. million to really increase the, the deposit and really increase the amount they can buy for. Yeah. It's a great scheme. It's sad that it's being removed. It's a mad. But it is being replaced by a version of the existing scheme that we have uh, where they're just going to increase the threshold. So no stamp duty will be paid if you purchase a property up to $800,000. Yep. And there will be now a concessional stamp duty amount paid between uh, eight hundred thousand and a million dollar purchases. Yeah, yeah. So over a million, there's no benefits then. Over a million, there's no benefits. Um, I remember speaking to my Labor member before the election. Yeah. Um, and look, she mentioned that they believe the new scheme or their version of the scheme will impact or affect ninety five percent of first home buyers. Um, that five percent, I assume that it doesn't impact living in Sydney and probably in the in a worst and eastern suburbs. <laughs> Um, so yeah, you're, it's really, it's a, it's tough pill to swallow for a lot of people looking to enter into maybe not even those specific areas, but more entering into the looking to buy a house. Correct. You know, Correct. like apartments are still within that range, but if you want a house, yeah, you're probably not going to be, um, helped by well, this scheme. And that's what we we're, where we asked the team and I, uh, there's a couple of comments we got at the. National Housing Finance and Investment Corporation, <laughs> so the the body that deals with the execution of the government's initiatives, fast them like, look, we're not here to fund people's dream homes or for, we're here to help get them into the property market. So it's that first property. So mm -hmm. first property is never going to be your first. It's be like your first car. You should always be a bit embarrassed about it. <laughs> um, helps you get into the market. What you do after that then has a strategic decision. So i.e., do you turn that into an investment or do you keep that or do you sell it and then upgrade your home as well? Because yep. We will all out outgrow that home at some point. If okay. you go down the path of maybe family, for example, or you just need more space. So that's the big one. So that scheme, just to recap, that scheme will be ceasing come 30 June. So we are seeing, I mean, you and I were speaking about it before, contracts that are first time buyers, 1.5 on the dot. That's right. Yeah. So I've got a client at the moment looking to make an offer on a property. He's coming at 1.5. That's the cap, a dollar over and you don't get this property tax. Yeah. So 1.5, he's gone, yep, I want this property. Um, they've been unsuccessful for the last couple. Uh, the agent came back and said they have three other offers at 1.5 already. Yeah. Um, so increase it or this, is, this isn't probably the property for you. So yeah, it's creating a bit of a frenzy at the moment um, for those first-time buyers. Um, but look, it'll be over in 30 June, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, but yeah, onwards and upwards from there. And there's a lot of other ways we can sort of help um, those those buyers get into the market. Yeah. And I think the limited deposit, um, we've just done another podcast around mortgage insurance. So it's always this trade-off. What do you qualify? And sometimes we're getting people that are knocked out for income. Yep. Reasons. So there's income caps, whether you're single or whether you're a couple. So yep. generally, borrowing capacity, think about buying at one point, 
1.2, for example, mm. and borrow, the income's going to be there to support a lend at 1.2, for example. Mm. So sometimes they're not even eligible based on income thresholds. Yes, that's right. There are some schemes that yep. will cap you out because of your higher income. Mm. Yep. And that is the home guarantee schemes yep. that, that comes into play. Okay. So the home guarantee schemes, let's, do you know, should we talk about that for a second? Yeah, I think so, because this one is what has been announced uh, in the budget last night. Yeah. Um, and it's a, I guess this home guarantee scheme was announced, I think it was in 2020. I think it was a Scott Morrison, yeah, okay. their government announced it. And it was essentially the government coming in and acting as guarantor yep. for your loan, which means that you can minimize your deposit um, and not pay LMI, which okay. is lenders mortgage insurance. Um, that is... There's different price caps depending on where you're buying. Metro areas in Sydney are 900, uh, regional areas 750, and then it's different depending on the state as well. Um, but it was a great scheme that was announced, mm. um, and it really helped people who don't have that parental support. Not everyone has a parental guarantor, Correct. so it helped them get into the market without needing to pay LMI. Correct. So wonderful scheme. It's been going on now since 2020, so each year they keep releasing more and more spots. You would have remembered when it first got announced, you couldn't get a spot. You couldn't even get on the waiting list. We used to call it a lottery. Yeah, it, it, it was a lottery. You couldn't get on the waiting list to get a spot. Yeah. The waiting list was full. Correct. Um, but now, after many years of this scheme, there's a lot of spots available. I don't think we've been denied a spot for a long, long time. Um, so they've announced another 35,000. But what they've also done now is increase, I guess, the amount of people, all the the different types of people who can get this scheme. Yeah. So with the first home guarantee, this is a 5% deposit that's required. It used to be single applicants and if you're in a de facto or married relationship. Yeah. Now it's available to friends, siblings, which is yeah. really good. Um, I would preface that to say if you do buy a property with a friend, you probably want to seek, seek some legal advice. Yeah. You know, just because it gets messy when you're in a relationship sometimes when you're splitting up. I would assume a friendship would be the same, especially with a shared financial asset. So I would just add that on to the... Well said. Well said. Yeah. We, you hope for the best and plan for the worst. That's right. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, and there are so many legal ways. I mean, we've had, I think, the episodes with Jennifer Barnes and Louise Willows, for example, mm -hmm. two really good uh, conveyances, talking about co-purchasing agreements, for example, buyout agreements, what would happen in this scenario? Mm -hmm. What happens if I want to draw the equity then go again, but you don't want to buy that next property, for example? What happens if I meet a partner and then this co-purchase then impacts my borrowing capacity based on which banks you're going to go to yeah. as well? So what we're saying is right here, right now, it all might be rosy and absolutely two people getting into the, two friends getting into the market or two siblings getting into the market. But we've had siblings that have then gone on to meet their respective partners and now it's like, well, hang on those co-owned properties are now impacting our borrowing capacity for the future as well. Exactly right. Yep. Um, so look, that's the first home guarantee and that's split up again, all these acronyms, FHG, there's RHG, which is regional home guarantee. Yeah. They're one and the same. Uh, it's just dependent on where you buy. Yeah. Um, the other one is the family home guarantee. Okay. So this is the 2% deposit. So this was for, I believe, single parents um, yeah. to be able to enter into the market and really help them out by reducing that deposit required. Um, that's now been expanded as well. So it's not just for parents. And I believe it was uh, 
Like all, uh, they're a bit older, like over 50 or thereabouts, I think. Mm, I believe so. But essentially, they've just expanded it to allow for uh, any legal guardians of the child. So yeah. aunties, grandparents and whatnot. Um, and just adding on, sorry, to the first time guarantee scheme as well, mm. it was the the extension is also that people who haven't owned the property in 10 years. Yeah. And that's been announced. That's big. We get a lot of people who may have bought a property in their 20s. Correct. And then they've sold it. Maybe it was because of a divorce. Yeah. They sold the property. They're renting. They've been renting for a long time. They come to us. They're not a first-time buyer, um, but they haven't owned the property in over 10 years. Yeah. Now you are eligible for this first-time guarantee. So I think that's wonderful. That's great. And I guess what the government's response there is that's really helping people that have gone through a divorce. So they bought the family home. Mm-hmm. And that whole notion that we have, which is asset-rich, cash-poor, for example, so all their wealth has been locked up in the family home, and yep. divorced, and now they, they're, they're trying to buy that next home, and they yep. bought it so many years ago. It's like, well, this is the way to get back in. If you're cash-poor and you've got a smaller deposit, yep. it's the way to get back into the market. Yeah, exactly right. Um, and the other big change on the home guarantee scheme in this budget was uh, permanent residents are now, re- now in. So yep. this scheme was in, uh, originally just for Australian citizens, but now permanent residents are eligible. Um, so I think there's a lot of, you know, how many New Zealand listeners do we have at all <laughs> in, in the Gold Coast? Um, but they will be eligible for this scheme now, which is awesome. And again, I think we've got another anecdote where uh, our client, uh, she was an Australian citizen. He was a permanent resident. They weren't eligible for the scheme. They ended up paying LMI around $10,000. Mm. Um, now, if they bought you know, as of July 2023, that would have been saved. Yeah. So it's a really good um, announcement by the government there. Perfect. And then the spots in the scheme, how long are you in the scheme for? So you get a pre-approval and you'll be issued a spot. Uh, that will be valid for three months. Yeah. Yeah. Um, after that three months, you have to reapply. Okay. Yeah. And that's probably one of the, I wouldn't say pain points, but it's probably one of the next frontier for a lot of people is mm. uh, a lot of first-time buyers is, yeah, we say, well, don't go actively shopping mm-hmm. and fall in love with the property without getting your pre-approval. So we want to use the time to your advantage. So keep an open mind. Where are you looking to buy? What are they selling for? Having a look on the market, mm-hmm. getting yourself pre-approved, trying to get into the scheme. But I think the average is it takes people like 30 open homes before they find the one that they love, right? I mean, you can, I can speak from experience. Mm-hmm. Trying to find the one takes a lot of looking at potentials. I like it. Bernadette hated it, for example, the other way around. Uh, and so it takes time. So that three, uh, that clock can almost start ticking for a lot of people, especially if they've just started their search as soon as they got their pre-approval mm-hmm. versus having a bit of momentum in their search. Open homes, going to a few auctions, understanding how real estate agents work, engaging a conveyancer, pre-approval, and it's like this rolling momentum that can kick on mm-hmm. and then find the right one. Because if you start from day one on your pre-approval, that 90 days clock is ticking, and you're, it's a race against the clock. Yeah, it's a fine line. You want to be actively looking for properties. Yep. You also want to be ready on a finance point of view. <laughs> so it is a fine line. I would just advise you, speak to your broker. Speak to your broker. Get an idea for what you can borrow, what you can buy for. Your broker should have a fairly good idea um, if you can get onto the scheme or not, what your borrowing capacity is without actually lodging an application. Mm. Get the momentum going with your, your search. And then look to get a pre-approval in. Once you've seen a few properties, you start to think to yourself, hey, we're ready. We're ready. And there's actually a property we want to see this weekend. So, yeah. <laughs> and come. 
That's yeah. another one that comes up. Um, the other one is borrowing capacities. Mm-hmm. Now, you, again, you're, you're really across the numbers, for example. So yep. how many rate rises are we up to now? 11. 11 rate 11. rises, yeah. yeah. 10. 10 consecutive break, one recently. Yes. Yep. Um, borrowing capacity is probably the hardest part that we've seen. Like the, the moving goalposts from what people could have borrowed. I mean, we're talking at some point people could have borrowed over seven times their incomes, right? And now yeah. we're... Seven Five. times, seven times is very easy. Yeah, in um the COVID world, right? And then now it's like five times yep. income. Yep. Off the back of that, um, yeah, you know, what lenders are doing. So take me through when you're having conversations with your own clients, for example, borrowing capacity and then forward planning that if we get another rate rise, how much is that wiping out on their potential borrowing capacity? Great one. Look, I'll preface this to say I hope we're near the peak <laughs> because I am sort of getting over the numbers each month over and over and I think every broker or every vendor will be the same um, and yeah. clients hate it as well because the goalposts just keep moving from like you told me we could borrow here and now we're borrowing down here and it's like yeah every month and look there is a little bit of a you know you've got to put the pressure on the client to say it will change you better get a move on yeah and at least an application in yeah um, but we should be getting near the peak now I think we're so we're up 3.753 yeah 3.85 yeah ASH rate 3.75 increases yeah um, like you said we've seen the debt to income ratio so it's when you take your gross household debt times it by a number we were seeing it at times seven in COVID now it's times five yeah. a bit above um, when you're increasing your the cash rate the bank passes it on you increase the assessment rate um, for which the bank will then um, verify your loan. Um, so the assessment rate, if, if you're unfamiliar with it, when you go to apply for a bank, that they'll take the variable rate, add a loading on top of that, mm-hmm. and that's that buffer. So some clients will go, oh, I need a buffer for that rate rise. Well, the bank's already done that. Yes. Stress testing for you. Different banks will have different stress tests. Mm-hmm. Therefore, that's why you get different borrowing capacities depending on which lender you go to. When we do the numbers, it can be wild sometimes in terms of the fluctuations. That's correct, yeah. And look, the standard buffer is 3%, but it definitely does change. And I guess when we talk about how will, if there's future rate rises, how will it impact me? It's not a science. Um, in my mind, I do, so a 0.25% would be around a 25K reduction in your borrowing capacity. So 1% is around $100,000. Yeah. So if you use that math, which again, I think really is around, yeah. it's pretty rough, 3.75% of increases, $375,000, your borrowing capacity has been reduced mm-hmm. by thereabouts. It's a it's a big chunk. Isn't it? And, the, and from what we've seen from properties that haven't really dropped that significantly in value, mm-hmm. so borrowing capacities have fallen far faster than housing values. So people are going, well, I'm waiting for this market to crash. And we, there's a couple of good Instagram videos that we share around the office where people are waiting for the market to crash and it's still not happening. Waiting for this fixed rate cliff, it's not diabolical. It's mm-hmm. like, well, hang on, is this what they call a soft landing? And the Australian property market proves itself to be fairly resilient as well. The property market, it seems like from the budget last night, the our country's resilience. Mm-hmm. I feel like we've we're going to hit a surplus. We've had it. Uh, What's it called? Record tax, um, tax uh, revenue, revenue, yeah. revenue come in. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it feels like everything is a lot more resilient, and that's the. It is hard for people looking to get into the market right now. Your rates are going up, a borrowing capacity is coming down. Yeah. But the housing market, housing housing market, market is it's now rebounded. So February, CBA economists is calling that the bottom. Yeah. Um, and they're expecting 3% this year increase and 4% the following year. 
while we still expect maybe an extra rate increase from the RBA. Mm. So it is really hard for first-time buyers and anyone entering the market really. Um, and people are getting buyer fatigue right now. Um, you're looking at domain, realestate.com. You've been told you can buy for a million. You go to, you know, you put a million into your search. At the moment, especially in Sydney, you're seeing those price properties go for now 1.2, 1.3. We're back to uh, agents underquoting the property, the price guide not being representative of where we are at. Um, so, you know, I'm telling a lot of my clients, just drop those searches down. Mm-hmm. Drop it 100 to 200K from what you've been told you can buy for. Don't waste your time at open homes that are going to go well above your budget. Try to be realistic while also hopeful. Yeah. Try to be realistic because you're going to get burnt out and that's not what we want. Yeah, when you go to the auctions and the opening bid blows you away uh, and then we come back on a Monday morning like, how'd you go? No. Disappointed. <laughs> the opening bid was more affable than the property was listed for. Yeah. Um, so if you're suffering in silence or you feel like this is a situation that's unique to you, I, we just want to like share that this is not, this is one of the hardest the hardest journeys for a first-time buyer is to understand the property was listed at a million, it's selling for far above that or... I don't understand why someone paid that much for, for it. Yeah, maybe they were looking for six months and they just got over it and it's like, make this pain go away. Mm-hmm. Just give them the most, most money and it's, yeah. Or the banker mum and dad is another big one. I mean, we, we speak about this consistently. The bank mum and dad is Australia's fifth biggest bank. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so you never know what's happened behind the scenes for someone. Their borrowing capacity is here, but then a cash gift or a, or a contribution from a parent can push that right up and mm-hmm. just go, look, just get into the market. Yeah. And look, this is for originally in life. Uh, comparison is a thief of joy. Sad. Try not to compare yourself to other people. Um, try not to read those domain articles where it's first home buyer buys $5 million house in Rose Bay. Uh, it doesn't serve anyone good. It just makes you angry. So if you see it, don't click on it. They want you to click on it. It's not worth it. Um, just stick within your lane. Yeah. Be be realistic, especially for first home buyers. This is your first home. Correct. Just getting into the market. That's the biggest jump. Once you're in yeah. there, your equity equity will most likely grow over time. Your incomes will most likely increase Correct. because of career progression. Yeah. Um, and you're going to be in a better position in five, 10 years time than if you just rented. So so let's talk about that. So the rent, and I'm, we've rented, for example, yeah. it's like, yeah. I could live in a location we wanted, but there's 35 grand a year just going on rent and that property, if I was in it, what am I worried about the property losing value by? I would have spent that 35 grand anyway yep. on rent or however much it is. Mm-hmm. I might as well be in it, pay something towards it. You're going to pay 35 grand in mortgage insurance. Like mm-hmm. the properties are compounding at 6% a year on year on average and a 30, uh, 30 year Sydney property price. At some point, that 6% is going to start compounding for you and going to do more than your, your savings ability because the market growth is outpacing people's ability to save. Definitely. And that's the challenge that we see consistently first-time buyers going, I'm going to wait for the market. Well, you're not buying the market. You're buying a particular house in a particular area, in a particular mm-hmm. suburb, uh, in a particular state. All you need is for that particular property to be good and not buy a dud and avoid making a bad decision when it comes to making an offer on that particular house. Right? Exactly so you're right. buying one house in the Australian property market. It's not dependent on that particular property. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Perfect. There's a lot. Uh, so when we talk through the budget, for example, we'll put out a, a short summary on what these exact changes mean. Sometimes when they get announced, 
they're announced with not much of the uh, back end built. Mm-hmm, definitely. So they announce it and then go, oh, we haven't actually built the, the mechanics around it. So clients will ask us what's happened. It's like, we don't know. We're going to the same websites that you want. And they're <laughs> building the plane as they're flying it. As I'm speaking to you on the phone. <laughs> Correct. They're like, well, they've announced it and not told us how this is going to get uh, get rolled out. Mm. Uh, and it kind of puts everyone on the back foot. So uh, we'll put out as much information as we can around this, around all the first home buyer uh, contributions, schemes, and benefits clip as many tickets as you possibly can. Um, but the most important thing I think what I was saying is know your numbers, know what your borrowing capacity is, how much deposit do you have, do you need mortgage insurance, yes or no, how much can you buy from, what what can you buy with that purchase price? And we follow those three or four big questions that we answer in our initial calls with clients. So, mm-hmm. okay, there's that moment of clarity where you go, okay, here's what you physically can do. That's your locus of control. Mm-hmm. Perfect. Hey, mate, thank you very much for joining us. I appreciate it. No problem. Yeah, you've got so much uh, knowledge. I hear Damien on the phone. He's just sprouting knowledge. So if you need to get in touch with him, please do. Um, that's a wrap for another episode of the Australian Property Investment Podcast. I really hope you found this helpful. And if you're a first-time buyer, a little bit confused, overwhelmed, but somewhat optimistic about getting into the market, we'd love to help you out as well. Thanks very much. Thank you. Thank you.